Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in studio with the one and only Pastor Russell Messer. Hey, pa- hey uh, Ryan. Thanks for having me on the uh, <laughs> podcast today. I'm really uh, excited to be a part of this. It's been an exciting time to see you and Pastor Nick take this on and the challenges and stuff, and it's exciting. I and mean, this is number seven, so. Yeah, no, we are very excited about number seven. Pastor Nick is on vacation with his family, and so uh, what we're going to do today is everything that we cannot do when he's with us. So we're going to just break all the rules today. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Pastor Nick. I know you're listening to this, and so I was just kidding. Uh, and so today, uh, very uh, excited to talk about the Torah portion for this week, which is Kaye Sarah, yes. uh, the life of Sarah, which is Genesis 23, uh, verse 1 through chapter uh, 25, verse 18. And so there's three uh, main subjects we're going to cover today in the Torah portion. Uh, the first one is going to be the death and burial of Sarah and, uh, and how all that went down. Uh, the second is going to be uh, a wife for Isaac or the marriage of Isaac. And the third is going to be a new family for Abraham. Lots of stuff to cover. So little time to cover it. Yes. And uh, it's, it's exciting to see what's going on. Uh, today and we're seeing kind of the uh, the birth of uh, a whole new this Hebrew roots movement is going through a transformation really it is and the uh, relationships between different churches are coming together and so it's really interesting to see Sarah it's almost like the Peyton, the matriarch passing on to the next generation and that's kind of what we do here at Beit Tila. we're teaching the next generation what does Pastor say, Pastor Nick always say he says you know two things is build a strong community raise up the next generation it's very good stuff and so uh, it's exciting to see kind of that play out here in the Torah portions as well. Absolutely. And, I, you know, the Torah is, uh, is relevant for today. It's exciting. And so uh, let's dig in yep. and, uh, and start talking about it. Uh, how old was Sarah when she died and where did she die? She was 127 years old uh, and she uh, died in Kirjath Arba, which is in Hebron, which is actually where uh, what we're about to discover where uh, Hebron is today. And we actually know where Hebron is because of a... Uh, uh, I guess, landmarkings and whatnot, yeah. uh, buildings that are built there uh, over the site here. And so uh, who did Abraham speak to after Sarah's death and what was his concern? So, you know, basically what we're looking at is uh, his concern was, uh, you know, where are we going to, you know, bury his wife? I mean, this is the this is a big um, time in their uh, whole life. You know, this is the end of her life. She's been a, an amazing helpmate through this entire process. And so she goes to the, he goes, Abraham does, to the sons of Heth. And he wants to uh, purchase a burial place. And uh, if you look at the sons of Heth and, and kind of their lineage and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're um, you know, they're Gentiles. They're outside of the Torah. They're outside of the uh, the covenant of Abraham. So he's actually going kind of outside and um, bringing in this third party essentially to uh, to help uh, with this process of the burial. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is Abraham has kind of his legacy on the line, right? You know, he, he doesn't want um, his wife or him or his posterity to kind of just go by the wayside of history, right? They were here, now they're gone, back to dust, you know. And at this point, he's saying, "Well, we need a place to to bury our dead so that we can all be united." And uh, it's kind of a funny story how this all goes down. So he's talking to the sons of Heth, is what uh, what the the portion says. 
he wants the, the burial site, and he finds this place that he likes called the Cave of Machpilah. And it's owned by this guy named Ephron, they find out, uh, son of Zohar the Hittite. Uh, and, you know, he, uh, he offers to give Abraham the field, you know, and, you know, this is one of those situations where uh, somebody last night at our, our tour study was actually kind of funny, was saying they could imagine how this conversation went down and how, uh, you know, sometimes in the, in the scripture, when we read stuff, it's so plain that we can't really uh, say for sure, you know, the tone of voice that somebody's kind of like a text, yeah. you know, can't say for sure the tone of voice that somebody's speaking with. Yeah, they don't have emojis either. So yeah, you know, and no you emojis, no emojis at all. So you have to kind of go with the scripture as as you have to kind of make it make it however you you know. But yeah, your point was exactly. So Ephron's here and he's trying yeah. to give away the field to Abraham, right? He's in front of all these people. He's trying to be real magnanimous and and benevolent to to Abraham because Abraham was uh, a wealthy guy. Yeah, he could save some money and you know not have to worry about you know yeah, paying yeah, full hey, price. Let me just give it to you, you know. And <laughs> and you know if this was uh, a lesser man, they would have jumped on the opportunity. But Abraham being uh, full of wisdom says, oh no, 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 no. This is a place that uh, I don't want there to be any question for my posterity, for the people that come after me, right? for my seed, whether or not we own this. And this is actually, there's a title deed in the scripture over Hebron, over the cave of Machpelah, which is uh, a site today where all of the matriarchs and patriarchs are buried. Uh, And so the price was 400 shekels of silver, and Ephron, you know, famously says, listen, it's worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is 400 <laughs> shekels of silver between you and I, right? You know, it's just real slimy guy. Real car sales Oh, man, yeah. yeah. So uh, Abraham says, oh, no. Uh, I'll pay you. Yeah, uh, I'll pay here, you. Here's your 400 shekels of silver. I'm sure he probably gave him a tip on it as well, right. just, to, just for, for good measure to keep it from, from it. And, and of course, the whole thing was witnessed uh, by the children of Heth at the city gate there right. uh, in Hebron, just to make sure. And it even describes like the trees and everything that, that yeah. what the land, the cave included and all of it and all that land. Yeah, like a real estate investment. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's almost got like a legal description. Right. And Mechbalah means actually double. That's in Hebrew, the, the word Mechbalah actually means double. So I don't not sure if there was two caves. Maybe there was one for Abraham. Maybe he was kind of buying his extra plot. You know, we see that today. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to be buried next to her. I might as well have my own cave, you know, and, uh, you know, perhaps they were thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Uh, so it, bottom line, uh, Abraham's full of wisdom. And, and uh, the next uh, portion that we, or portion of this tour portion, or that's part of this tour portion, uh, deals with uh, finding a wife for Isaac. And so this is a, another interesting thing. I think that it's it's being done in a way that for us at, in modern society, this might be a little bit uh, foreign to us. And yet this is exactly how God intended this story to go down. And I think that we can all take a lesson, lesson from it uh, or a few lessons from it. And so uh, what did Abraham want his eldest servant to do for him in regard to his son? Obviously, he wanted him to go to his home country where his, or his kindred uh, and take a wife for him. You know, it's uh, it's really important to kind of uh, highlight how the seed um, that the Lord doesn't like mixed seed, and he was really being pacific, and he said, you know, I don't want to go to the Canaanites who are pagans. I don't want to mix my seed. It'd be like a farmer going out into the field and, you know, planting wheat and corn in the same field. It just would create chaos. It, would, it wasn't right. It's not according to the order, and you can see how Abraham saw that and was given pacific instructions to his servant, um, and just to take note of something really interesting is um, this is a great... Um, 
illustration and actually a lot of of a process that I'm going to talk about just for a brief moment is the betrothal process comes out of this chapter. For those of you guys who are listening that have never even heard of betrothal, it's really exciting to share because it's something that's so scripturally based and it's so deep into the word of God. It's really exciting to see um, it take place. And here's what I mean by the betrothal process. It's a process of joining together in a marriage union, and it takes place in three steps. There is the betrothal phase, the wedding phase, and the celebration phase. So the betrothal phase um, is during this chapter 24 is really the highlight of the betrothal phase. It's the phase where the servant goes to find Rebecca and all the parts that take place. And then even in today's society, we do the same thing where we go to look for a wife. And then the next phase is the wedding phase. And then there's the celebration phase. Which I think everybody wants to jump straight to the celebration phase. You know, it's very much the culture. You know, everyone's everyone's happy with the eloping process. Like, you can just go and elope, skip everything, and go right to the end. And, and you do miss out on God's provision, God's protection, and you do miss out on the purity that comes through the process, which is, if you look through this, you can just, it just screams holiness. And it's just perfect. And so, um, as we go into this, uh, Ryan, I'll kind of highlight some... Um, key features that happen in the betrothal process, um, and we'll kind of go with that, but uh, this is a very exciting tour portion because the betrothal process is different than um, courtship. It's different than dating. Uh, dating, you go out and you you know, meet someone at a bar you know, or wherever you're out to be, and you kind of meet that person and say, let's strike up a conversation and let's keep going out on these dates, um, and there is no end game and plan. There's no future marriage plan. It's just we're going to get to get to know each other for however long we think it can take. You know, then you have the courtship phase, which the courtship phase brings in the parents a little bit more than dating. It says, you know, hey, we got to get our parents involved. We're going to we're going to have kind of a defined relationship that we're not going to see other other people while we're in this relationship. And then, you know, there's still but a there's lot still of wriggle no, There's still no commitment. There is no commitment. There I is think, no I think that's probably if in my mind at least that's the differentiation, right? So on the, when you're dating and you just meet somebody wherever, uh, there's zero commitment, there's zero expectation, and zero accountability or protection for both parties. Um, and in the courtship, there's a little more of that. Yes. Right? And so I think that's why uh, many in the church have said, you know, this is a, a better option than dating, which I tend to agree with, right? right. Uh, with dating, we have the idea that we leave our kids up to their own devices to go out and use their hormonally charged judgment <laughs> on their own. And how well does that work, To make right? good decisions. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would say that uh, even a broke clock is right twice a day. You know what? And it, sometimes it, it, you get mistakes. You know, as parents, we think that we get peer pressure as parents that we think that the dating scene is is a is the new way. It's the and we're too old and we're old school to even think of anything else than dating. And uh, I definitely think that in this case, you see Abraham uh, really saying, really you know, charging his servant, which we're going to get into this here. He was really charging his servant to do this according to a specific pattern. And betrothal has a pattern. And the the pattern just for everybody is the couple, the, the bride and the groom, they work with their parents. Typically the parents lead the way and the parents come together and say, you have a son, I have a daughter, you know, we could come together and they could be a good couple and the parents work together. And then they bring the couple after 
after the parents have talked together and they say, you know, what do you think of her? What do you think of him? And if they say we like each other, then the next step, which is the step of commitment, the part you were talking about, and that's going to have a meal. It's going to have a, uh, a sit down uh, time together and the potential husband, the groom will bring five pieces of silver, which is the bridal price. Mm. So he actually comes prepared. And this is the thing that uh, most men don't have. They don't even have a penny to their name and they think they can get married. This, this actually kind of weeds out those kinds of people. Then huh. they, then they get up to the, uh, the cup of wine. Now, how many times have we seen the cup of wine being so significant in scripture and it was a kind of a meal offering. It's kind of a, an offering. We're going to both take a drink from this cup and commit that this is a deal that, that we're going to seal the deal that they're going to get married. And then on top of that, there is a wedding contract, a ketubah. And uh, that's something that's been brought on. Um, that's not necessarily written out here in stone, but there was a verbal commitment given here in the scriptures. And basically a ketubah is a document that I have in my home. We were one of the, we were the first betrothal couple at Beit Tehillah, me and my wife. And we went through that process. And it's funny because through that entire process, my father and Pastor Randy, who is the um, founder of Beit Tehillah, they were going back and forth. And even before I met Dina, they were already in cahoots with each other. Oh, yeah. And so I yeah, think... you think you chose. But. I I, I, <laughs> I guess. But you know what? She didn't look like her dad. It worked out really yeah, good. Exactly you know, right. I'm sorry. Exactly I, I was right. like, wow, she didn't come from your side. So it was really great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I love Pastor Randy. So, you know, it's great. It's great to remind ourselves that if we do things in, in holiness and with a purpose, that it's going to usually work out. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and you guys have a fantastic test. Testimony. I think that um, you know that's it's it's awesome to see biblical values being walked out by people. And so um, jumping back in into yes. the Torah portion here, uh, Abraham's faith is amazing, and you know it talks about how Abraham is basically one of the first you know traveling evangelists for the one true God. Right? Yes, is really what he is. Yeah, and. You know, here it, it, he's, he's, it says he's, he's old at this point. He's talking to his servant, and, and it says, And Abraham, this is uh, chapter 24, verse 6. And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So, you know, knowing the previous Torah portions, we know that Abraham has had to have a lot of faith. Uh, he stumbled a little bit with uh, the whole uh, incident with Hagar. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he got back up, he dusted yes. himself off, yep. and he proved himself to God through the Akedah, right? The binding of Isaac in the previous the Torah portion. So at this point, he's pointing now to the future. Yes. Because the, the promise that God made to him was not just to Abraham alone, but also to his seed. Yes. Right? And so he's quoting God here. He says, unto thy seed will I give this land. And so now he's worried about, or if, maybe worried, he's concerned with uh, making God's promise um, of no effect. Yeah. Well, maybe bringing God's promise to, into fruition, right? Oh, to true. make it yes. happen. And so he says he needs to find a wife for his son. Right. Uh, and it sounds like he didn't want uh, this individual to come from the Canaanites, that he wanted a, a cousin. Because isn't that what we all want? We want to marry our cousin? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, exactly right. So um, so he wants him to go back. And, and what's cool is 
I believe that the conduct of um, of Abraham's servant is a testimony to the leadership of Abraham. Exactly right. You know, if you look here, um, coming a little further into the story, um, if you look at verse 12, where actually he says, uh, this is the servant speaking, and he said, and he said, O Lord my God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me of good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. So even before the journey begins, Eliezer here, the servant, steps out in faith and says, this is an incredible Incredible mission. I don't want to let anybody down. I have to get the Lord's support. Amen. He he stuck with God the whole way through this mission. Yes. And, and that's something that we're going to highlight as we go because every step of the way, he stops and he prays, right? Correct. So, so, um, so where did Abraham want his servant to go? He wanted to go back to the land of his kindred, which, right. we, which we find out was in Mesopotamia. Yes. Uh, you could find that in verse 10 here in chapter 24. It says he went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor, um, which in the previous Torah portion at the end, we find out um, that Nahor was a, a relative of Abraham. So the city is obviously named after uh, Nahor, Abraham's relative. Correct. So then uh, what is the only way the servant... Uh, sent by Abraham would be able to get out of the oath. And that was obviously if he was unsuccessful in his journey, right? So if he goes, he gives it his best. Yes. He goes with God and then, uh, God intervenes in some way and makes it so that the woman, uh, intended for his son ends up not coming. Right. And, and here's, and here's the thing. We, we all believe, um, that God will do amazing miracles in our lives, but a lot of times we have, you know, we have to have in our minds an, an out, uh, a, a way of a way of saying, well, if it fails, then you know it was not meant to be. When when in, when in reality, if we truly love the Lord, there really isn't an out. But Abraham felt that you know this was going to help his servant because uh, obviously Abraham knew that God's promises were true. I mean, he's seen it over and over and over again. And so we're actually at this place where Eliezer now has to have almost the faith of Abraham. Right. That level. Yeah. Absolutely. And if he gets to that level, he's going to see amazing miracles. But a lot of times we have to have an out. And and in this case, that, that out, like you said, was if he couldn't find uh, a wife or the wife wouldn't come, the one that he would pick. So he was really, really putting all the cards on the table for this woman that he picked or that God would pick and show him. And he was going to put all of his cards on that because he knew that this is going to happen because... I have no other choice. God is going to, God's either going to show up or not. And he did. Obviously God showed up. Yeah. And so the proof is in the pudding, right? So right. is, is, uh, Abraham's servant hearing from God? Uh, the obvious answer is yes. Right. God, uh, tells him, and he, and he he basically prophesies how he's going to find uh, a wife for Isaac. And basically it's this, that he shows up uh, to the well at this city and says, uh, I obviously need to, had a long journey all the way over here, so I need to get some water, water for the camels and whatnot. And so he says, if there's a, a young maiden who comes and gives uh, water to me and then offers water to my camels, that's that's the woman, right? That's the woman. And so then the cards all kind of fall together uh, in that in that respect. And, and I want to point out something really interesting too, is that when you see him sitting by the well, he was actually waiting till evening. And the reason he was waiting till evening is traditionally you would go out to draw water in the evening because obviously the water would be cooler coming out of the well. So that's where all the young ladies, ladies night. But that's the thing. <laughs> it's the first is ladies night. <laughs> if you actually study today, even today in the Middle East, it is traditional that the wives, but more the single women, yeah. that's their social gathering 
place. Uh, and so, so you never really, night. you really, yeah, it was late night. I bet nights. you will find some young men there too. At, well, they're going to be, <laughs> because they're going to be hovering around. Are, the young men are going to be. So it's, it's, it was the party scene at that time, you know, uh, the well. Did you go to the well tonight? I think we may, yeah, we may be, uh, <laughs> we may be reading a little bit re- of that. Reading a little but I know, but I know this is that it's, it's, uh, culturally, and I've, we've done some research on this, culturally, the well at that part of the time, that evening time, was the time where there would be social gatherings, um, for the ladies. And that's kind of where he believed he could see the most females in one grouping in the city. And that's kind of where the story kind of picks up. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah. So then, uh, uh, he, who came with a pitcher upon their shoulder and gave Abraham servant a drink of water when he asked for it. Obviously this is Rebecca. Yes. Enter Rebecca. Yep. Not, not to be a spoiler, but spoiler alert. If you, if you didn't want to know what happens to Rebecca, she ends up buried in the cave of Machpelah there with Sarah and Abraham along with Isaac. Right. And so Rebecca, born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. And uh, how do the scriptures describe her? They describe her as a virgin and very fair. So this is a, a beautiful girl. She comes up, but as as much as a, a beautiful girl, everybody wants somebody that looks good. Uh, having them beautiful on the inside is much more important. We find that out because True. not only... Uh, you know, she's out there, she's got a, she's lugging down this jug of water, right? That she's already got to walk all the way to the well, mm-hmm. fill it up, and then walk it all the way back. But while she's there, she meets um, Abraham's servant. And what does she do? Not only does she give him water upon his request, but she also goes the extra mile for him and offers and then fulfills her promise to give water to his camels. Exactly. Obviously, you know, uh, Eliezer, Abraham's servant, his mind is just blown. Yes. He's like, oh my God, and what does he do? He falls on his face and he worships God. He bows down his head in verse yes. 26 and 27. He's thankful. And he, he praises God and he thanks God. And uh, and he gives a, uh, a golden, it says earring in the King James. Uh, but there's a translation note here that says that he gave her a nose ring. Uh, yes. I find that interesting that, you know, maybe uh, here in the Hebrew roots, the nose ring is going to come yeah. back in the style. You know, I, it's, it's <laughs> all a, the parents are shutting the All the parents off. are like, turn down the volume, you know. Uh, yeah, no, you, you don't have to turn down your volume. We're going to, it's going to be all right. It's uh, it's very interesting because the nose ring um, was a symbol to, of beauty. It, you know, if you look at why they were giving that, it was a, it was a reward, a symbol of beauty. And uh, I definitely think that when he gave it to her, it, he gave it to her with the best intentions um, and so obviously we, we're gonna have to kind of move quickly through the rest of this portion but I, I'll just jump jump ahead a little bit here because we're uh, doing really well on the uh, on the time part here but I want to make sure that people understand that when when she showed up into this into the scene she had already she had no expectations that's what the patrol the process does and I'm going to kind of leave this part here is she came with the expectation that God was going to take care of her God was going to find her her mate and while she was working God brought the mate yeah, and she's serving some old guy which you know it's not like she saw Eliezer and Eliezer was uh, this handsome young lad that you know she was excited to meet it, it wasn't like that at all it was quite the opposite he's an old servant of Abraham who's been around since you know previous tour portions we know he's been around for a long time. Yes. And uh, and she still did these things out of just kindness for a stranger. Right. For a stranger. She had no idea who this guy was. And right. so, uh, you know, hitting a, a couple more things, uh, you know, he asks her, hey, um, you know, who's your father? She tells him. And then he's like, hey, do you guys have room to lodge? And she's like, absolutely. Come on. 
And so he's obviously got all this stuff. He just gave her these two, you know, fat bracelets oh, made yes. out of gold and silver and a nose ring and whatnot. And so they're all headed back to the home base over there to for him to stay the night. And so everybody starts coming out. And this is where we first meet Laban. Yes. Uh, and, you know, we meet Laban here and, and we kind of get a hint of his character. And so later on in other tour portions, right. we know, uh, you know, a little his bit. His mindset. About, right. His mindset. But, you know, all of a sudden this guy with these, you know, you know, nice gifts and stuff shows up and boom, Laban's the first one out the house to, to come and greet him. And, you know, we, we can't, we can't uh, downplay that enough. So, so what happens? Uh, uh, the end of the story here on finding a wife for Isaac is that uh, everybody agrees. They wanted her to stay back for, you know, 10 days, but um, Eliezer's like, look, man, I got to go. I got to get back to Abraham. I want to fulfill my mission. And if I'm, if I'm Eliezer in my head, I'm thinking, look, 10 days is a long time for me to hang out here for something to go wrong and somebody to renege and change their mind. Correct. Um, you know, I need to get back to Abraham. Uh, this deal is done. And, and so the family basically leaves it up to Rebecca. Correct. Rebecca. And this is important in the, in the betrothal. In the betrothal process, process because that, we always think that the, the kids have no say in the marriage. Well, because I think people are saying, people have associated betrothal somehow with arranged marriage. Correct. And that's not necessarily what it is. It doesn't mean that parents can't go and find a mate. But an important piece of this is the approval of the individuals right. committing to the covenant. Right. Um, and many times it, when these covenants are made, especially in modern times, uh, these these young people already know these per- people and have already expressed an interest to their parents because the interest is not supposed to be expressed to that individual. The interest is supposed to be expressed in confidence to their parents so that the parents can then walk them through that, uh, process. that process of, hey, listen, you know, we, we want to walk through this process with you. We want to approve your mate. Right. Um, I was watching Courageous the other day with my wife. There's a great scene in that movie where the father takes the, the daughter out to dinner and not in some plea for purity, but in a plea for um, a relationship with her. He he basically gets a commitment from his daughter that, you know, I've known you your whole life. I have much more experience than you. Allow me the the benefit of approving whoever your mate is going to be. Correct. And then he seals that covenant and, with a ring, obviously, to her. And you know what's it's, it's more exciting even that is that you as parents, we as parents, uh, I have a daughter, obviously you have you have children as well, son and daughter. Uh, two daughters. We are we are really seeing the line of purity coming back. Obviously we went through the, the seasons of the 70s and onward that it's just been kind of this sexual revolution and we're trying to get our arms around this and what is it? what is the tool we're going to use? What are we going to educate our children in that's going to help us give them the opportunities to live a pure and righteous life? Yeah. And obviously we look at the patrol process, this process here of, of going through this, getting a commitment from both sides of the, of the parents. Obviously the uh, children are involved and obviously this leads into a front, uh, the foundation of their marriage is built on purity and holiness. Yeah. We see that as a benefit. The world looks at that as controlling, as, as you know, your parents don't really know what they're working towards. Yeah. But in reality, when you go through this process, similar to me, even before I met Dina, I met her dad first and I spent a week with him not even knowing he had a, he had two daughters. I didn't even know it. I asked him, I think one time, do you have any kids? And she said, he said, yeah, I got two daughters. Like that's literally all the information I had. So little did you know, little did I know, but you know, what's interesting is when he went back to Dina in Florida, he said, I had found your husband. I found your oh, husband. Man, and of know. course, Dina's got red lights going off. Like who She's is like, this guy? Yeah. My dad's gone off the deep end. But on the other side of things, I didn't even know her either. But I think what we do as parents is 
we doubt ourselves. Yeah. We doubt our role. We and do. we get to the end of this period of their life and we say, okay, now they're 18, 19, let's let them make their own choices. I, it never says in scripture that we're supposed to neglect our children. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Well, and, and from, a, from a, a general thing, not just in the betrothal process, but in, in life in general, the reason that uh, there's a remnant coming out of the nations that are have a love for Torah uh, is partially because uh, as the world gets more neo-relativistic, meaning what's right for you is right for you, what's right for me right is right for me, there's something inside of us in our spirit that God is crying out saying, no, there is right. an absolute. I have a better way for you. It's my Torah. I have teachings and instructions for you. I have things that I've used uh, for you to learn. So uh, what is the blessing uh, that... Rebecca received from her family. It's a repeat of a, uh, a blessing over, uh, uh, I believe, Abraham and Sarah. And this is it. It's, it's in uh, chapter 24, verse 60. It's, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. What an awesome blessing it's that is. It's a powerful blessing. And then uh, what she receives this blessing, and then boom, she's whisked off into the sunset, right. uh, which you know we can glamorize uh, that, but I think that, you know, a long journey in the hot sun on camels, um, you know, they didn't exactly hop on a plane and, right. and wine and dine her. Uh, it, but as she's approaching, uh, Isaac sees them in the distance. She asks, who is that? And realizes that it's her, her new, uh, husband to be. Um, and he's actually out in the field, uh, meditating, uh, at evening. And so she realizes it's him. She veils herself, starts getting herself together with, uh, you know, betrothal garments or marriage garments. And in a, in a kind of a prophetic sense, they end up going to Sarah's tent, who obviously died at the beginning of this tour portion. Uh, they go to Sarah's tent and it says, uh, that Isaac loved her and Isaac was comforted by her after his mother's death. And so I think that, uh, for time's sake, we're going to have to just briefly, um, run through Abraham's new family. And I think that the kind of the two points I want to make are this. Uh, after Sarah's death, Abraham remarried uh, a woman named Keturah. Uh, and they had six sons uh, together. And what's interesting is at the end of, of, of his life, what did Abraham do? He gave everything to Isaac. And I Correct. think it cannot be, um, it cannot be Understated. Understated that the covenant between God and Abraham was to Abraham. Yes. And then to Isaac. Yes. And so this covenant, this seed that we hear about in the New Testament, and to seed, not seeds, being plural, uh, is a seed of Mashiach, of Messiah. Correct. That we follow throughout Scripture. And so Isaac and Ishmael uh, buried Abraham at, at when he died at 175 years old um, in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Um, and then it also says that uh, you know Ishmael died at the age of, of 137 after having 12 sons, and that God had blessed him greatly as well. And so yep. that concludes the Torah portion. Uh, last word uh, to you there, Pastor Russell. You know it's um it's it's an amazing uh, analogy. If you look at actually the the pattern here, and I love finding patterns in Scripture. This is this betrothal process is really the bride and the groom, and if we are the bride, 
if we are, and we are, the bride, then we are to prepare ourselves and be serving and be doing what we should be doing now and not just sitting around thinking, okay, maybe about one day my groom will show up. And no, the bride, like Rebecca, was active. She was actively getting herself prepared. And the same thing for Isaac was getting prepared. And the same thing was Abraham. Abraham was prepared. So what I'm really wanting to get to this point of is as we draw near to the Lord here, we're going to see more and more the marriage, getting closer to the marriage to take place here. And we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be at the table. We are the bride. And we don't want to be in the group of the brides that were foolish. So what I really want to encourage everybody out there to do is to begin to see yourself not only as the bride, but as the bride in preparation. Amen. And as we are in the bridal preparation process, we have to let go of things that we think would be fun. And you didn't see Rebecca tainting herself with the worldly system. We have She was preparing herself and, and keeping herself pure. She was a virgin, right? So I believe as we grow, us as parents, we need to be preparing our sons and daughters for that next for that next chapter. And I'll be honest with you, when you see this take place, we can't be surprised because all this is written out in scripture and it's so beautiful that we are we are celebrating and doing things that were specifically designed for God's people to do. And it is such a beautiful process. Awesome. Yep. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And you know, a, a great picture of this, there's a, a, a documentary put out by uh, Hyovel. Uh, called betrothal, and it's the story of Braden Waller and his wife uh, and their betrothal process that really uh, gives a clear insight into modern betrothal, but with kind of a uh, a feel of what it's going to be like with the church and, and uh, Yeshua, uh, Jesus Christ. And so, folks, you guys heard it here, Kaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, uh, Torah portion. Thanks so much for, for tuning in. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can uh, hit us up by email at info at topraise.net or topraise.net. Yeah, to praise. To praise that yep. 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 I can't even think today. Info at to praise.net. Yes. Uh, or you can go on to our website. Uh, you can see the, the list of the tour portions. You can contact us through the website at to praise.net. And if you want to call the office, you can reach us at 813-654-2222. So uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And uh, praise God for the Torah. And thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.